welcome. Welcome to the sound of the start of your weekend. It's the Not The Top 20 podcast betting show. The weekend's come around again. Who'd have thought it? This podcast is sponsored by Betfair. Thanks to them for their support. It's also uh, George Ellick and myself, Ali Maxwell, talking about our betting picks ahead of the EFL weekend. What that means is this podcast is very strictly for over 18s only, uh, dealing as it does with the topic of gambling. Gambling comes with risks, so please make sure if you're ever thinking of putting a bet on that you understand the risks that come with gambling, never betting more than you can afford to lose, definitely never chasing losses. Uh, those are the messages that George and I like to send each week. So please heed them and head to begamblerware.org to brush up on the risks that come with gambling. Uh, George is continuing to go very well with his naps. Got another one up. It's getting ridiculous now. Uh, this time it was Wickham away at MK Dons at a very kind and generous 2.45, 29 to 20. That one was with the Betfair Sportsbook. No other winning picks uh, for you last week. You got done by a late winner from Exeter. They were your lay. Uh, Birmingham did not beat Blackburn. That was also an issue Deserved for me. To. Having laid Blackburn, that was an issue for me. Uh, Barnsley did not score. Certainly didn't score over 1.5. And Tommy Doyle, unfortunately for you, was not a starter for Sheffield United. So that was a, an unfortunate goal scorer pick. As for me, another bad week at Stevenage. My nap, they lost 3-2 to Northampton. At Carlisle, my next best. They went down to 10 men in the first half against Orient. Lost 3-2. Blackburn, my lay, one. I uh, got the over 2.5 goals up in Bristol Rovers against Plymouth Argyle. Kieran Morris had a couple of pot shots for Tramia, but did not score any time at 6-1. to one. So um, we go again and all those sorts of motivational phrases. George, your best bet, your nap in the EFL this weekend. Yeah, looking for cloud nine, eight naps in a row. Uh, hoping I can keep it going. Maybe I can actually back a winner away from the best bets. And my nap is Walsall to beat Rochdale at 11-10. to 10. I think this is a... Big price about a Walsall side who, after a sticky start to the season, are hitting their straps now. And, you know, currently a mid-table in 13th, I think it's a matter of time until they are secured as a top-half team. Um, their home form over the course of the season is very good. You know, they have only lost two games at home uh, against Grimsby and Tranmere. Those came uh, in late August and late September. But their home games in the league in October have been phenomenally good. We saw them beat Northampton, high-flying Northampton, third in the table, 1-0. Uh, then saw them beat AFC Wimbledon, 3-1. And then midweek this week, beat Harrogate, 3-1 in the game where they were 3-0 up very early and, uh, and and clear and coasting early on in the game. Away from home in October, they only had one loss, which was at Mansfield in a game you know, against Mansfield side that you and I consider to be one of the best in the division. It was a, a marginal defeat. You know, they, they certainly went outplayed and they got points, decent points at Sutton Stockport as well. I think Michael Flynn is, you know, sir, he's got this team going in the right direction now. Um, and I see them as being a, a top half team at the very worst. Um, I think there's every chance they could go on a run and, and implement themselves towards the top end of the table and, and challenge for the playoffs. And the performances alongside these are very good. I'm particularly enjoying the performances of Tom Knowles, who is a live wire at the top end of the pitch. Mm. And if you look at the, you know, the way the game developed against against um, Harrogate on on Tuesday evening, you know, they were well clear. And, and I think there was kind of, there were three nil up and, and the expected goals was basically two nil uh, until Harrogate got a last minute consolation as well. Um, plenty of decent players in decent form who I like. You know, I mentioned Knowles there. Danny Johnson is, of course, uh, a pretty clinical scorer. 
they're just a good team with, with a decent squad uh, and they're playing against Rochdale side who I'm still pretty happy to kind of get against. I know that things have improved under Jim Bentley. Certainly results have and, and I, I definitely don't think that they are the soft touch they were earlier in the season uh, under Robbie Stockdale. But if you kind of dig into the, the good results, there are some alarming notes in them. You know, they've had two massive away wins in the last few weeks coming at both Colchester and at Newport County. In both games, they score in the first half and then basically don't have a shot for the rest of the game and have to weather a bit of a storm uh, and do incredibly well to keep the opposition out. That isn't necessarily a template for a team that I would like to bet on. I think that is fairly reliant on A, getting ahead early and then B, being able to sit on a lead while still conceding chances. Um, and then even in the in the midweek draw with, with Tranmere, away at Tranmere, they went 1-0 up. Um, and they tried to sit on their lead. They couldn't do it. They conceded straight away afterwards. But then the game followed the same pattern as what we saw in those other away games where it was an onslaught from Tranmere and, and Rochelle had to keep them at bay and managed to do so, despite the fact they were absolutely battered in the game itself. So, um, it's you know, Bentley's obviously improved things. They are a different side now to what they were before. But I, I don't think they're suddenly a mid-table team. I think they are um, having to fight tooth and nail for every point that they're getting. And I anticipate this game will develop in the same way where Walsall will be the better team uh, and dominate the chances and, and should have enough about them if they continue their form over the last four or five weeks to, to easily see them off. I'm surprised they're not odds on. Wouldn't surprise me at all if they were odds on come Saturday. And I think at 11 to 10, they're, they're the bet that you have to have in, in the EFL this weekend. Bolton Wanderers. To beat Oxford United, just a touch of odds against 2.05, 21 to 20 with the Betfair Sportsbook. And perhaps unsurprisingly, the, the majority of this will focus on Oxford United. The majority of my working, if you will, revolves around an Oxford side that I think is in pretty bad shape for a few reasons heading up to Bolton. The first is team news. Uh, Matty Taylor, suspended. Billy Bowden, suspended. Sam Baldock and Josh Murphy weren't in the squad in midweek. These are two players that that simply cannot get fit. You'd have to think that they would have uh, a pretty good impact uh, as bench options at the very least, but they can't seemingly get fit. I believe that Marcus Brown went off having taken a knock. I believe that Cameron Brannigan went off with a shoulder issue after landing awkwardly. I think he's already got a wrist injury as well, Brannigan, so he's really banged up at the moment. But James Henry might be back, George. So there you go. A ray of yellow light for Oxford. I think they're in bad shape personnel-wise. That is before we touch on the fact that this team, despite what was a, a good result against Pompey in midweek, in general looks imbalanced, looks badly set up, looks easy to play through, uh, has some very inconsistent attacking play. A lot of things that used to be true for Oxford under Carl Robinson aren't true anymore, in particular, the potency up front. And we saw them lose 2-1 to Peterborough last Saturday. We were incredibly unimpressed with how Oxford played at 0-0, going down 2-0. I think that Oxford at the moment, and as discussed on Monday, are a long way away from being a proper football team, have next to no partnerships in any areas of the pitch, which is what good teams have. Uh, and I think they're in pretty bad shape. That's also without touching on the fact that they travelled to Pompey on Tuesday. It was a 
a blood and thunder game, shall we say, uh, with a lot of knocks picked up. And now they're travelling up to Bolton on the Saturday. Back-to-back away games, very, very tough. Having played against Posh with 10 men, having played against Pompey with 10 men, you can't tell me they're going to be in the best physical shape here. And that's without touching on the fact that their opponents, their hosts, Bolton, have a a six-win, one-draw, one-defeat record at home this season. Really good at the Uni Bowl. They've conceded only four goals in eight games, a goal every two games. They have a home crowd of of around 17,000, 18,000, which make a big difference. They make the sort of noise that distorts the speakers when you're watching the highlights back. That was something that I realised watching their midweek comeback against Burton um, yesterday morning. They've not been in hugely impressive form. I think it's only right that I flag that up if I'm talking about this as a as a uh, what I consider to be the best bet of the EFL weekend. Um, they had a, a really poor few games and, and their last two wins in the last week have both been from behind against teams that they should be beating more comfortably in Accrington uh, and Burton. So there are some concerns that I have overall about Bolton and their performances, uh, particularly at nil-nil recently. But weighing everything up, I still believe them to be a far better football team in far better shape than Oxford with significant home advantage. And I expect them to win 2.05, 21 to 20 with the Betfair Sportsbook. Now, I thought you might have picked Bolton. I thought we might have had a double nap scenario. We don't have a double nap. To my surprise, we do have a double next best though. Yeah, we do. And it's Ipswich. I mean, alarm bells with Charlton's performance and result in midweek against MK Dons. Important not to get too bogged down. I, well, I think that is evidence of why you shouldn't get too bogged down in, in isolated results. You know, Charlton came into that game off the back of some impressive performances, um, but MK were, were good value for their win. You know, they had the, I think Will Greg had the best chance in the first half. He there was then awarded a penalty in the second, which he put away, and they got the second goal and, and kind of coasted clear in a game where Charlton can have no real complaints on the on the basis of play that they lost the game. The comparison of, of MK Dons coming to town to Ipswich coming to town is vastly different where um, it's, I, you know, in my mind, it's the equivalent of having a, probably at the moment, like a not far off a mid-table League Two side um, or versus a, a bottom-end championship team. Ipswich are operating at a very high level. Um, I spoke to former not the top 20 betting show contributor, Steve Freeth, uh, this morning, who um, was at the game, the Port Vale-Ipswich game. And he was pretty impressed by Port Vale. He said that Port Vale pressed Ipswich and didn't really let them settle uh, and that they were very much in the game throughout. And, and I respect his opinion massively. But then when you look at the actual, the XG stats for the game or, or whatever else, it, you know, Ipswich were, were, were good value for their lead, even if Port Vale put in a valiant effort. I think the XG was kind of 3.5 to 2. Sorry. 2.5 to 0.5 in, in Ipswich's favour in the game with, with Port Vale deserving credit for coming back from 2-0 down. But Ipswich getting 3-2 ahead and then kind of shutting the game down from about the hour mark onwards. They are a, a bit of a winning machine, if we're honest. I don't think I've got any concerns at all about their away form. They've only lost one game on the road. That was at, at Plymouth Argyle. They've only drawn one game on the road. That was against Sheffield Wednesday. And apart from that, it is just six wins, basically. So... You know, the fact that they they would be at home probably about 1.6, 1.7, and yet we're getting just a shade of odds odds against. Sorry, a shade of odds on is is, is fine for me. So, yeah, I mean, you're, I'm sure you've got more to say on it, but it, it just feels to me like this should be a regulation win for, for the class team in the division. Having good cops Charlton on Monday after three straight wins, it doesn't necessarily mean that I think they're a patch on, on Ipswich overall. And we spoke about the switch to a 4-4-2, possibly something of a surprise given Ben Garner's sort of previous tactical formation history. And it did coincide with a little bump in results, but 
overall, I don't think that in itself is is a foolproof system that's going to have Charlton challenging at the top of the division. I think even within that four four two, there are still areas of the pitch where Charlton just don't look particularly well balanced or don't have great partnerships, especially with Lieburn now out. Uh, Anike is unable to start games, so can't start up front with Stockley. Uh, and that means Charlie Kirk has been there for the last few games. He's performed gamely, I think, but he's he's not a he's not a good option to play up front in a four four two in in League One. So, wouldn't actually be surprised if Ghana decides to play an extra midfielder here, given that Ipswich will likely dominate the ball. So, might take Kirk out of the team, or or maybe shift him left and and take out the youngster uh, Tyrese Tupac Shakur Campbell. That would just mean Stockley being up there on his own, back to what it was a few weeks ago, him being very, very isolated, in all likelihood winning a fair amount of his aerial duels, but with no one close to him to actually link with. The other issue for Charlton is Innes, having been sent off on Tuesday night, is now suspended. They are not rich when it comes to centre-backs. I think Terrell Thomas, Terrell Thomas will come in here. (laughs) They picked up on a free a couple of weeks ago um, who has not been performing well at League One level for maybe ever and was a kind of cheap depth option who who now may be thrust into the starting lineup without having had much game time against the team that, that you've called. And I agree with you, uh, basically a championship level team. So that doesn't fill me with joy, a Terrell Thomas, Owen O'Connell centre-back partnership. And I, I just see this being a bit of a mismatch. I think Charlton are worse in possession. I think they're worse out of possession. Um, and I guess thinking about it tactically, Raksaki on the break, Blackett Taylor on the break. Those those would be the obvious areas where I think Charlton could hurt Ipswich. But you look at the stats, you look at counter-attacking shots conceded this season. Turns out Ipswich have been absolutely brilliant at defending counter-attacks as well, even if they do attack in numbers. So uh, it's all Ipswich, uh, all pointing to Ipswich here. The teams at the top of League One are setting incredible standards so far. Um, but if you like applying the underlying performance data filter on top of pure results, Ipswich are clearly the standout, the real deal. And that's why, given how unlikely we both are to back away sides at under even money, we're, we're happy to make an exception here for the double NB 1.95, 19 to 20 with the best. Beautiful. Don't forget it's bet 10, get two. Uh, that means if you bet £10 on EFL Ackers this season, you'll get a £2 free bet. Uh, the T's and C's are in the description of this podcast. If you bet £10 on EFL Ackers, you'll get a £2 free bet with the Betfair Sportsbook. What about on the exchange, George? Who are you getting against this week? I'm laying Sheffield Wednesday against Burton. Wednesday come here off the back. I mean, they've had a, a game on Wednesday, so a, a day's less rest if, if you're kind of into that kind of stuff. It's, it's not a massive driver for me, but it's probably not a negative either. They played against... Bristol Rovers uh, on Wednesday night and it was a one-all draw. Uh, Wednesday will feel like they probably maybe did enough to win the game. Um, a good, but you know, a good point from Bristol Rovers who themselves will probably feel like they did enough to get a point. So one of those games where uh, I don't think you can read too much into it, but certainly a much better result from Bristol Rovers. Um, but the, the key for me with this is Burton, who under Dino Mamria are obviously enjoying uh, a proper, you know, renaissance in terms of their season and their form. Uh, I know on the Monday show, you made the very good point about the, the fixture list being fairly favourable to Mamria and that it was probably a bit too early to get overexcited. And, and I do agree with you. However, I think the game that we can probably read the most into was their performance um, on Tuesday night where they went to Bolton and were beaten 2-1 in, in very cruel circumstances where they were 1-0 up in the game after a uh, Sam Hughes uh, goal, which I know made 
a lot of people who've been backing Sam Hughes every weekend or and every every game to score. Um, happy uh, those of us who gave up that trend a couple of days ago. Not very happy, but Hughes put them one 0 up, and you know they created plenty of chances in the game. And basically, up until the goal, uh, to my mind, were, were the better team and deserving of their of their lead. Um, the onslaught came in the last ten minutes, and uh, a Bakayoko goal um, followed by a ninety eighth minute John Daddy Podvarsen goal sends them home with a very cruel nil point. Um, but that was kind of the game where I looked at that on Wednesday morning and thought, okay, maybe we have to start taking Bol- uh, Burton a little bit more seriously here because they've gone toe-to-toe with a side away from home who are, who are pretty good. And they, whilst they've come away with nothing, they were the better team when the, when the before a goal was scored and were deserving of a lead here. So when you consider that Sheffield Wednesday have dropped points in midweek, when you consider that we've got the extra day's rest and the rest of it, I think there's just quite a lot of evidence stacking up here that this might be an awkward game for, for Sheffield Wednesday. And, you know, this isn't one where I'm, I'm laying them at even money or whatever. The price is, isn't, you know, suggests that this is, and it correctly suggests that this is a game that Sheffield Wednesday would win. But I do think the 1.46 uh, that I've laid them at is, is just too short. I just think they should be shorter than two one to win a game against a side whose results have been very good, where there's a tangible reason why results have been better in terms of a change of management and that they've faced opposition of, a pretty similar standard just a few days before and have, have given as good as they've got, even though they came away with nothing. Uh, and if their if luck is on their side this time around, they, they might be able to get something from the game. And I think Mamre's style of management, for me, means that they should be a team who, as we saw, you know, they, they should relish being the underdog. I think they're not going to be shrinking violets by any stretch. So, um, yeah, uh, laying Wednesday at 1.46 is my lay. I'm getting with, in a sense, that the team that Wednesday played last night, live on Sky, Bristol Rovers, in laying... Derby County on the Betfair Exchange at 1.88. I was matched at before we started recording. Uh, Paul Warren in at Derby uh, just before the start of this month. Not exactly off to a rip-roaring start. Uh, away wins at Cambridge and Accrington have been huge positives, of course. Uh, a defeat at Ipswich last Friday night was no shame in it, really. They were competitive, actually. They were very good out of possession, I thought. They, they dealt with Ipswich fairly well, but offered very little with the ball. Uh, and I don't think it's been particularly impressive going forward. I think that's kind of the issue right now. There was a home defeat to Port Vale, which could maybe be excused for James Collins's red card after an hour. Uh, and then a nil-nil draw at home to Exeter on Tuesday. Uh, and that was the first time that the Derby fans have, have gone, actually, we're not seeing much at the moment. It was a tough watch. They had 10 shots total in the game, but just did not exert as much dominance as you would expect. They've not been bad. They've just not been particularly good. I'd say it's been an average start in the literal sense for Paul Warren. Most level-headed analysis wouldn't just point at the change of manager and, and blame the new manager, but look at the squad, really, the fit with Warren and his style and, and wondering if if there was ever really a chance of it being an immediate success, a good fit in the short term based on the squad at his disposal, which is exactly what we discussed, um, you in particular, when Warren was hired at Derby. So because of obvious reasons, they're having been saved from extinction over the summer and having to cobble together a squad. It is a bit of a mishmash of a squad for, for understandable reasons. They signed players this summer and it was more about grabbing what they could rather than thoughtful squad building, recruiting to a style, all sorts of things like that. They've, they've, they've not got great depth 
Uh, and that's being tested at the moment because they've got a few injuries. Uh, in midweek, Jason Knight was missing, Bark Hazen was missing, Curtis Davis was missing, and James Chester came off injured. So not in great health uh, here. And and they've they host Bristol Rovers, who have been one of the best teams in the league since the start of October. Um, basically, since the moment I said on the Monday pod that I was uh, starting to be quite concerned about Bristol Rovers, uh, it turns out I was completely focusing on the wrong thing. Uh, and there was probably a sense of Barton accepting that things might not work for a couple of games while he was missing his defenders, but not wanting to just change the whole style, but actually try and put some building blocks in place for when players were available. Now he's got the starting 11 that he wants available and they've got on a great run, 12 points from six games. That includes draws against Sheffield Wednesday, Plymouth Argyle, away at Exeter as well, uh, and wins against Cheltenham, Cambridge and MK Don. So in really good form, uh, they've conceded seven goals in those six games. Three of them have been penalties. Uh, as a numbers guy, I would say that's a rate that will surely slow down in their favour. And on the attacking end, while well, what they're doing is is not fluke, they are creating a lot of opportunities pretty consistently. They have a very high-performing front line. Uh, three out of Loft, Coburn, Aaron Collins and John Marquis doing well at the moment. And I think they have the tools to disrupt a, a Derby back line that is both a bit banged up through injuries and also, Aaron Cashin aside, quite old um, and quite slow. And Aaron Collins and Coburn in particular, highly mobile. Um, Loft actually much more than people think, uh, quite mobile and can certainly hurt them. I, I just think Bristol Rovers are a better attacking team than Derby, basically. And I've got no doubt based on Barton's management that he will look to attack rather than be passive uh, and just let the game um, sort of be dictated by Derby. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm keen on this one. Getting against Derby, the, the main concerns would be that James Collins is back from suspension and will likely come back in. Uh, we know that Will Osula had that great game against Accrington, but there's no doubt he's been pretty quiet in the last two. Dobbin as well is just not impacting things. Their other um, attacking player, McGoldrick, came off the bench in midweek. And also... That question of rest, the Bristol, effort, Bristol Rovers put in a hell of an effort away at Sheffield Wednesday on Wednesday night. Uh, so an extra day's rest for Derby and two home games in the week versus two away games. So that could be an issue. But I think Bristol Rovers are, are highly motivated, energised in a different way uh, at the moment. Why wouldn't they be? They Derby at 1.88 with the Betfair exchange. Goals. Goal bets. My goal bet is over two and a half goals in uh, Norwich against Stoke at even money. I'm, I'm pretty surprised that an over's is the outsider here, given if you're taking since the beginning of October, these two sides, you've got Stoke who've kept one clean sheet away at Preston North End uh, in mid-October. And then you've also got Norwich who've kept one clean sheet, which came um, in a 1-0 win at Blackpool back on the 1st of October. So in 14 games between them, we've seen just two clean sheets kept. These are two sides who are not defending particularly well. They're two sides who are, who are pretty out of form. I think that the narrative around this and Dean Smith, it is incredibly important to Smith, for Smith, that he gets a result here. Um, I think a, a failure to win this game and put in a better performance is going to bring his job security into massive question. And I think there'll be big, you know, there'll be, there'll be unrest in the, in the stands at Carrow Road if, if it is a poor performance. The onus will be on, absolutely on them to attack. We also know that in Alex Neal, he is an attacking manager. He's got something to prove going back to Norwich as well. I think with the tools at his disposal and, and the defensive frailties, you know, it'll, it'll unravel in a way that I think they're going to have to try and get on the front foot in a similar way to what we saw when Preston went to, Nor to Norwich a couple of weeks ago in, in an end of 3-2. I don't see why either team would be cagey. I, I think when you've got two teams who are defensively so poor, 
and then you've got the attacking talent that they've both got in terms of certainly Norwich with Sargent and Puki, um, but certainly Stoker themselves have had players who've shown in flashes that they can, you know, be a decent attacking side. I, I it was just immediately stood out to me when I was looking through the over and unders lines that I was pretty baffled to see um, even money about the overs in this one. So that's my goals bet. My goals bet is an over two point five goals double. Uh, the first game is Coventry against Black. Pool and genuinely 10 seconds ago I saw a tweet from Coventry saying news we can confirm that Saturday's game against Blackpool will be played as scheduled at the Coventry mm. Building Society Arena so that's just as well isn't it I, I hadn't for my sins <laughs> realized that there was any suggestion to the contrary but the game will go ahead which is nice because a lot of uh, Coventry home games have not gone ahead this season and I'm expecting goals against a Blackpool team that have the worst XG against in the league their strengths are not in defending uh, they are however in attacking and they have been causing a lot of problems recently particularly Killian Yates up front or rather starting out wide but doing a lot of good things um, both teams have basically been pretty poor at the back and consistently given up big chances all season but both teams also have the attacking firepower to expose each other's faulty defences. So that's the main thinking here. For Kov, just starting to cook a little bit more going forward. Casey Palmer's been threading some nice passes through in the last few games. Callum O'Hare's back. Harmer is in great nick. Uh, Jokeresh as well uh, is just a very, very good player. But they are poor defensively. Um, Rotherham managed two goals at the Rico in midweek. They're not looking that sharp at the back. So another chance for Yates in particular to, to bag here. Over 2.5 goals being odds against a 2.05 I thought was very generous. I've added Mansfield and Swindon over 2.5 here at 1.9. Um, partly because Mansfield are missing players at the back. Um, Harbottle missed midweek. McLaughlin, the left back, missed midweek. A few others were reported to be kind of walking wounded. Perch got sent off in that game, so he'll definitely be missing. And I don't really want to question Nigel Clough because I really do think he is a, an excellent manager and I have absolutely no question that he knows exactly what he's doing. Having said that, purely from the outside, sometimes I just think they look a little chaotic defensively. They look a bit more open than some of the other top teams in League Two. And that makes me think that Swindon can hurt them here because Swindon have Gladwin in great form, Johnny Williams in good form, uh, Jeffka in pretty good form and Wakeling as well. Uh, and I think if Mansfield are disorganised, Swindon can hurt them. So uh, I, I like a, a Swindon goal at the very least, but Mansfield at home, we know they can be a bit of a beast. They are putting up good numbers and I'd be very surprised if Swindon can keep them at bay. So I guess I see a kind of a 2-1 either way, maybe a 2-2, something like that. Goals at Mansfield over 2.5 is 1.9 and the double uh, which is Coventry Blackpool and Mansfield Swindon over 2.5 goals. Both is 3.9 with the Betfair Sportsbook. So that's just a, a shade under 3 to 1, 3.9. Uh, Betfair's bet builder, that allows you to combine selections from one game easily into one bet. With Betfair's popular bet builder, you can easily add the trending football league bet builder selections to your bet slip in one tap. You'll find them on the football section of the Betfair Sportsbook app. And now, how about a goal scorer? My kingdom. For a goal scorer, Keenan Davis score any time at five to two. Uh, not the flashiest price, um, but it's kind of on the idea that things at Wigan might be worse than the market thinks. Um, Rumours abound over the last forty-eight hours that um, the players haven't been paid. That there are some financial issues. Um, seems like the players have now have been paid. Liam Richardson's been given a new contract, but it definitely there are vibes coming out of the club that things aren't necessarily all right there and you have to wonder about the 
mental state, I guess, of the players, or if there are any players who are so disgruntled they won't be, won't be playing in this one. Um, the form has certainly dipped. You know, we saw them last time at home playing against Hull, where Hull were able to create at will. And Watford under Slaven Bilic either seemed to be very good or very bad. Um, a 4-0 win over Luton um, was massive against their big rivals. Uh, we also saw them beat Stoke 4-0. They seem to be a team that when things click, um, they are scoring a lot of goals. And Keenan Davis is at the forefront of that. He got the opener against Luton. You can be basically absolutely sure that he's going to be leading the line and playing up front. You can be pretty sure he's going to be their biggest goal threat. And if they are going to score a few goals in this one, if Wigan are going to down tools, you can be pretty sure that Keenan Davis is going to score one of them in my mind. And I think the 5-2 to two is big. I couldn't agree more. There are a couple of strikers in the EFL who I consistently think are a good price. Keenan Davis has been one of them. I've written about him in a couple of uh, B.B columns recently without much success, but I certainly... Uh, was looking at him until I saw another man who I think has been consistently um, uh, underpriced, particularly by our friends and sponsors at Betfair, for a year or so now. And that's why I've picked him as many times as I have. Michael Obafemi, to score any time for Swansea at Bristol City, is my goal scorer pick. He is 3-1 to one to score any time here. Betfair, a massive standout best price, as they have been consistently for Obafemi. To my eyes, this is a, a bad defensive team in Bristol City against a good attacking team. Um, if you look at high quality chances allowed, Bristol City come out about as poorly as anyone in the championship. Now, a lot of those have been set piece situations. We know they're very weak from those, but they allow plenty in open play as well. And who loves a high XG chance from open play? Michael Obafemi. Um, this season, as discussed, he's been... I was going to say hot and cold. He, he was just cold, really, until the last two weeks or so. But last season, he had the third best XG per shot of championship strikers behind Lewis Graben and Scott Hogan. That's the sort of striker that he is. He had two big chances last weekend against Cardiff, scoring one of them. He's back fit, he's confident, uh, and he's he's been assimilated back into this Swansea team. He's their clear standout goal threat with Pirot still suspended for this game. And all of Swansea's nicely constructed attacks, the, the whole idea of them are to end with a, a good Michael Obafemi shot. I really believe that. So at three to one, I think it's a good price. Um, we need to talk about Donovan Wilson because he's four to one to score any time for Sutton. Uh, the reason I didn't pick him over Obafemi is that I feel Stockport, who are hosting Sutton, are quite a lot sturdier their opponents than Bristol City. But for the moment, Wilson continues, I think, to be underpriced. So these are the guys you need to try and flag up. These are the guys you need to be looking for. Uh, George, how about you recap your selections? Yeah, Walsall the nap at Ipswich. Um, my next best laying Sheffield Wednesday over two and a half goals, Norwich Stoke and Keenan Davis five to two, my goal scorer. My nap is Bolton Wanderers 2.05, 21 to 20. Uh, my next best, Ipswich 19 to 20, both of those with the Betfair Sportsbook. Uh, I've laid Derby at 1.88. They're at home to Bristol Rovers. Uh, I have backed over 2.5 goals, a double in Coventry Blackpool. And Mansfield Swindon the double at 3.9 with the Betfair Sportsbook. And Michael Obafemi, 3-1 to to score any time for Swansea against Bristol City in an early game on Saturday. Thank you so much for listening, guys. We really appreciate it. We hope that you enjoy this podcast every week, twice a week. 
uh, and we thank you so much for your support. Join the NTT20 squad if you'd like to be a part of the Not The Top 20 podcast community. 150 strong, um, loads of good stuff on there. Something for everyone, really. Football discussion, EFL-based, of course, but also other leagues. Uh, we'll have plenty going on for the World Cup. We've got uh, a separate betting squad as well where people are sharing their picks, their research, which led to some remarkable winners in midweek. Uh, Rio Adebisi of Crew scoring at 28 to 1 anytime being a particularly popular one and plenty more as well so do join the NTT20 squad if you'd like to it is a subscription service so there is a monthly fee but you can join for free for two weeks a two-week free trial if you like uh, head to the link in the description of this podcast or in our bio on Twitter thank you so much for listening we look forward to chatting again on Monday and breaking down whatever happens in these crazy leagues this weekend go out well.